everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance Podcast. My name is Sarah. And I'm Bree, and we have special guest Juliet Highland with us today. Welcome to the podcast, ma'am. Introduce yourself. <laughs> so, hi everyone. I'm Juliet Highland. I write medical romance for Harlequin, and I am a pretty newbie um, medical mm-hmm. author. My first book came out in 2020, so, and I've just kept rolling since then. So very excited to be here. Yeah, we've been chatting before we got, we started like recording and she's like the coolest person ever. (laughs) (laughs) And like for listeners, I'm pretty sure you may have had this misconception as well, that like Sarah and I thought most medical authors live overseas. No, Juliet Highland is in the States and there's a few others. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep, there, there are a couple of us here. We're, and then there are several of us that live in the UK and in Australia, and even some that live just in Europe too. So we're kind of we're kind of all over the place. Yeah, that is so cool. That is awesome. Um, so let's kick off with some icebreaker questions. Sarah, you want to get into it? Absolutely. Um, we know you are a fan of hot drinks. If you could only drink one flavored coffee or tea for the rest of your life, what would it be? Okay, so I am a huge fan of hot drinks. I have one sitting next to me right now. Uh, if So here's the thing on this question. If the answer is the calories don't count at all, then it's definitely a pot of gold latte from my local coffee shop called, um, called Winans. It's got Irish cream syrup and white chocolate syrup in it, and it is absolutely to die for. If calories do count, then it's the salted bourbon um, coffee grounds that my dad sends me from Fresh Market that are so good. (laughs) Actually, that's what's in my coffee mug right now is that salted bourbon. There you go. Salted bourbon for breakfast. I love it. Love it. Love it. (laughs) What is one thing you need with an arm's reach while writing? (laughs) A hot drink. There you go. <laughs> that, makes, that makes sense. And you have to be careful because I, I have spilled a hot drink into my lap when I wasn't paying close enough attention. So I do oh, no. I do make sure that I know exactly where they're at nowadays. So. <laughs> um, are you an early bird or a night owl? I am very much an early bird. So I typically get up around five in the morning and do yoga. And then I'm at the office um, by seven. And then most of my writing, though, does come in the evening when my kids are winding down for the day and my husband is watching sports on the TV or tablet. So, <laughs> um, In your Dear Reader section of the Pediatrician's Twin Bombshell, uh, you write that you went home or as close to home as that you could get for the book. Can you describe your hometown for us and what's one place you think everyone should visit if they ever go there? Sure. So I grew up in Bedford, Texas, which is part of the Metroplex in Texas. <laughs> like if you are driving between Dallas and Fort Worth, Bedford is basically in the center, but you're never going to really notice when you're moving from town to town because it's just town after town after town. Like there's no <laughs> there's no stopping point. <laughs> Um, and so I grew up, I grew up in Bedford, but I went to school in Euless, Texas, because the, there are three cities that are like really right on top of each other, Hearst, Euless, and Bedford. So it's the HEB school district. So Trinity High School, which is where um, Gabe, which is where Tessa went to school, mm-hmm. is the high school that I actually, that I actually went to. And then across town is the other high school, and that's LD Bell. And that there's a it's Texas, so as I'm sure Bree can attest to, football, football is king. Rivalry. <laughs> um, and LD Bell and Trinity actually had an ESPN commercial at one point. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, like I was up in I was I have no idea how that happened or like what strings they had, but the LD Bell Trinity game was actually part of an ESPN commercial. And I told my husband, I was like, "That's my high school." He's like, "No, it's not." I'm like, "No, it's definitely my high school." Um, <laughs> So I went home, like the Grapevine, the Tinseltown Theater that they worked at, I worked at, and my friends uh, worked at in Grapevine. Um, But I would say if you get to Bedford, it's kind of a sleepy because it's a bedroom community. It's mostly just houses and everything. But there is, it's called um, Bedford Snowball. And in the summertime, it's a snow cone place. (laughs) And you can... (laughs) And you can get a snow cone jubilee, which is the snow cone ice with the flavoring and then a little bit of cream over the top. Oh, my goodness. 
Seriously, they've been in business since I think like the 1970s. If you make oh, yeah. it to Bedford, you have to go to Bedford Snowball. They may even be open year round if I'm thinking about it now. I mean, it's hot <laughs> enough to always need a snow cone. <laughs> yeah. So that's probably a weird answer, but definitely go see the snow cone place. <laughs> what is one of your favorite romance tropes to read? <clears throat> well, so I was thinking about this last night. I love I love to read and to write um, reunion romances. I kind of like that idea of that second chance, even though we all know in real life there's a reason someone's an ex. Um, <laughs> but I think there's kind of that fantasy that, you know, if you'd met at the right time instead of the time when you did. Uh, so I do like reunion romances. I also – I am a sucker for a secret prince, man. I don't <laughs> – so hallmark so hallmark movie yep oh my god i know but i love the idea of like the secret prince or like the secret billionaire or if you're in the historicals he's a duke and you just don't know it um yeah like i don't know there's just something about that i i will pretty much read anything the one thing i will i am not a huge fan is secret baby i have a real hard time with secret baby unless it's a historical and you can kind of explain the time period kind of thing but yeah other other than that, I I pretty much gobble all of it up. So, well, congratulations on your most recent release, the pediatrician's twin bombshell, which released in May of this year. Do you do anything fun, or did you in normal times to celebrate your release dates? Okay, so I have listened to you guys ask this question to other authors, and I've been listening <laughs> to the podcast, and I am super sad that I don't. Like, I didn't even consider well, that. Well, we gotten thing. that. I mean, it's like, it's so different for, like, we get some authors that are like, I celebrate the contract and, like, the release dates. I mean, we yeah. know now, like, you and I were chatting it a little bit about it. Like, you have so many release dates. Like, I think, oh, it's here. So that means it's out everywhere. And it's like, no, like, it goes yeah. out in Australia. It goes out in the UK. So... It's different for everybody. Yeah, so I don't, but I do think when my book comes out, the next one that I have coming out comes out in, is an October release. And I do think that I will at least get myself a cookie or something because I've definitely earned it. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> you just imagine me and Sarah in your ear, like, celebrate, celebrate. celebrate yeah. So you can talk about it on the podcast. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Can you come back? <laughs> the first time I heard, I think it was Reese Ryan, maybe, but I heard the, I was like, I'm like, oh my God, what? don't I do something? I got a <laughs> book out in the world. Of course I should celebrate. <laughs> um, we love hearing romance origin stories. Can you share with us how you became a romance reader? Do you remember any of your favorite early authors or titles? Okay. So I have the very cliche story that I saw my mother's presents. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, presents, man. and her silhouettes and temptations nice. um, off the top shelf they my mom likes to take baths so they had kind of the wrinkled cover sometimes where they gotten a little bit wet and <laughs> I I would sneak those off the top shelf and then I remember the first time I got so I actually have a degree in history um but my specialties in post-communist Russian studies, and no one wants a Yeltsin-era romance. So it's not helpful so much for the romance. <laughs> I was about to say, are we going to get it historical? <laughs> yes. So, um, but I do. I've always loved. I've always loved history. So I found the historical section at my used bookstore, and they had. I don't even know that she's writing anymore, but it was an author by the name of Jane Feather. And okay. I read her Accidental Bride um, trilogy, mm -hmm. which um, I'm trying to think. So the the middle one, the first one that I read was actually number two, which was the accidental the accidental bride. Mm -hmm. And then the first one, um, I know the last one is the least likely bride, and then oh, and the hostage bride. Mm -hmm. And they're oh my very gosh, these sound so scandalous. I know. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, and I actually went back and reread um before the podcast. I went back and because you can get them on Kindle now. And mm -hmm. I went back and reread um 
the second one and I was like, oh my gosh, these are basically like, they are alpha a-holes. Like they are, <laughs> they are the alpha historicals that, I mean, it's in the name, like one, like one of them is kidnapped and in the second I mean, one, accidental. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, actually the accidental bride, she marries her sister, her dead sister's husband and he hated her sister. Like. No. It's so scandalous. (laughs) And in the third one, Phoebe falls off of a cliff and gets picked up by a pirate, but when he when she wakes up, she's naked, like in bed. (laughs) There's Were there clothes on the ship for the lady? Who knows? (laughs) Not for a while. Right. (laughs) So I remember those. They wouldn't fly today, and they're definitely kind of of their time and everything mm-hmm. but i read and jane feather wrote a whole lot of books mm-hmm. actually um like i said i don't think there. i went when i went looking to see i didn't see anything recently so i don't know that she's still writing but i loved those books i i gobbled i gobbled all of them up i'm like oh this is so much fun so that was that was my it's like kind start. Of like a, it's kind of like a time capsule, right? Like yeah. it's interesting as for us as women today to read it. And it's so easy to be like, oh gosh, this is awful. But you know, it's like one thing Sarah and I talk about is like, it's really interesting to see what women were interested in at yes. a specific time. Like mm-hmm. you got to just take it for what it is. You you know that there's going to be some things in there that for us as women today we're like oh hell no that's yeah. that wouldn't fly <laughs> but it's still so fascinating to see like this was really selling back in the mm-hmm. day. Well, and even if I think the other thing too is even if the we've advanced and I think advancing is great from mm-hmm. a romance standpoint and from women's rights and all of that the books are still at least. Jane Feather's books and several of the ones that I've read that are older, the craft in them is still so good. I mean, yeah. they're well written books. Yeah. yeah. They, I mean, you know, the stories are, the stories are good. The way they're told is really good. And you can still learn a lot of really good craft stuff from them. Mm-hmm. So before we move on, I have to know, because Sarah and I both love history. <laughs> I finished my degree in history last year. Um, what got you, like, you told us a little, you told us what your focus was. Like, how did you fall in love with that area of history? Oh, um, so I graduated from the University of Tulsa. And the University of Tulsa at the time that I went actually had a really strong um, Russian history department. Two of the teachers that were there had spent significant time um, in Russia actually during the Soviet Union period. One of them was an expert in the fall of the Soviet Union and then the rise of Yeltsin and then moving on into Putin. And they were so engaging and made the topic just come to life that that was kind of where, kind of where I fell. Um, and then unbeknownst to me, um, that in my day job, I actually, I work for the, I work for the federal government and that's highly marketable. So (laughs) (laughs) it worked out. It ended up working out okay, but really it was because I took these two classes when I was originally looking at starting my history major and I was thinking about doing, you know, older, older, Euro- you know, probably European history. That was the other thing that I was interested in. And they just made it come to life. And I was like, oh, I, I want to know more about this. That's awesome. So I feel like we need a historical. <laughs> yeah. It can be a novella. I don't care. It could be a novella. A character <laughs> in a medical that loves history and talks yeah. about it in the break room. <laughs> So the very first book that I ever submitted to Harlequin, which lives under my bed now, um, was a was a historical, um, and I it is possible that that went that that may come one day. So yay! yay. Here, I feel like we need to have a segment now where we talk about the books under authors' beds. Yeah, <laughs> we all have several. That's right. <laughs> so okay, what inspired you to begin writing and to pursue it professionally? So I am really fortunate. So the elementary school that I went to had what was called the Cougar Publishing House. Oh, and it was the cutest P- publishing house ever. And it was the P- it was the PTO and 
you were required when you were in the second grade to write a story and then it got published out of the Cougar Publishing House, which was basically just laminating it and binding it. Um, (laughs) But there is just something about seeing your name on a book, even if you are in the third grade and it's, you know, block letters with a picture that you've drawn at the top that just gave me that writing bug. And then after you did your first one, you could actually earn extra credit points if you did more of them. I wrote several every year uh, just for just for fun. My mom actually dug them out uh, when she was cleaning out her house not too long ago. And it was just fun. And so then I got in, when I got into high school, my English teacher had us write a short story. And I will never forget at the, mine was called um, Westward Bound. And it actually was kind of a romance. And at the top of it, um, my English teacher wrote, do something with your writing. And I kind of kept that close and I took a creative writing class in college and the professor came back with some things that were not nice um and so I kind of put that dream away for a while and then when I got into my early 30s and started getting there's something relieving about getting older and being like you know what even if the answer is no I want to try forget it I'm gonna do it I'm gonna try um so I did, and the when I when I when unlocking the X Army Doc's heart came out, which was my debut that came out in 2020. I took a copy of that book. I reached out to a friend who now works at the high school where I went, and I got um, my high school teacher's address, and I mailed her a copy of that book with um, a letter that let her know that you know. She probably didn't remember writing that on the top of my books, um, but I really. It meant a lot to me. I did not mail it to the college professor, although petty part of me kind of wanted to. I was about to say. Um, I hope you mailed it to him. But I actually keep this by my desk. My high school teacher responded with a letter telling me how much she enjoyed Aww. reading it and thanking me for sending it. So um, That's adorable. That makes me want to cry. <laughs> so, I love that. So that's how, that's how it kind of came to be. And you know, one thing, like one thing, Sarah and I, we chat about all the time, like you see kind of the threads, right? Like your mom had Harlequins and you were Mm -hmm. sneaking your mom's Harlequins. And we were chatting before we press record, like your sister had loved medicals for forever. Mm -hmm. And so when you started writing, were you like subconsciously writing to Harlequin? Like, were you writing what you had been reading? (laughs) So this is another area where I feel like if you are starting out writing and particularly, so speaking of books that live under the bed, there's a fantasy under there um, that's like (laughs) 80,000 words. It goes nowhere. I ended up accidentally turning my hero into the bad guy halfway through it starts with a dream sequence like all of the things that like you like you can check off a top 10 list you can get in my first chapter um but I got I I wrote myself into a corner and I took it out of the corner I wrote a scene that ended up becoming the first scene in um, I called it his misplaced duchess and no, the forgotten duchess is what I, what I called it. And that's the one that lives under the bed now too with it. <laughs> but every time I got stuck in the fantasy, I would write another chapter in the historical. And before I knew it, I actually had more than half of a historical romance done wow. and I was having way more fun with it. And it dawned on me, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm not a fantasy author. I'm a romance author. <laughs> yeah. And then because I had grown up reading my mom's Harlequins, it did not dawn on me that there were other romance publishers. How stupid is that, right? <laughs> and so when I started writing, I was like, well, I'm going to go to the number one publisher of women's fiction in in the world and I'm going to submit to them because I didn't, I didn't know. So I think subconsciously I was writing to them, but also because I didn't, there's so many publishers of romance out there and I just... I didn't realize. Yeah. So, yeah. That is awesome. Um, in 2020, you had your debut release, Unlocking the X Army Doc's Heart, followed by Falling Again for the Single Dad. 
Um, what was the journey to publishing, uh, to becoming published like for you? Like how was the actual submitting, publishing, that part of it? Sure. So I got bought out of what Harlequin calls blitzes. Okay. okay. So in March of 2020, Harlequin put out a medical blitz. And what it was, was a three-week open period where you submitted the first chapter and a synopsis of a medical romance. And they guaranteed you feedback within 30 days. And for those of you that are interested in actually writing, that turnaround time for feedback is amazing. Usually it's months. So I thought, my sister loves these. Um, I enjoy reading them. I never really considered writing medical romance. Um, But let's give it a shot if for nothing else than to get the the feedback. Mm -hmm. And so I quickly bought – Um, four of the newest medical romances and read them to kind of get a feel. Mm -hmm. And then I, I thought to myself, how do I, how do you come up? Cause I mean, that's not a lot of turnaround time to get, to get that in. My kids were watching um, Fuller House and they asked, (laughs) yeah. And they asked, then they started watching Full House, which I grew up with. And they asked, where's Michelle? And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And the truth is Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen decided that they did not want to be, didn't want to be um, actors. And so they left acting completely. And I thought, you know, what if instead of going into fashion, one of them had become a doctor? And so that's how Annie Masters was born. So then I just had to kind of push the two of them together. So I wrote up what would become the first chapter and the synopsis of Unlocking the Army Dog's Heart. And I sent it off. Mm -hmm. And... I did not get feedback from the medical blitz until the last day of feedback to turn oh, feedback gosh. around. <laughs> wow. And I could see everybody because right – so if you're interested in writing for Harlequin, there's a Write for Harlequin website where they give mm-hmm. a lot of information. And I could see – and a Facebook and a Facebook page. And I could see people on the Facebook page being like, hey, like I got a rejection or I got asked for three more chapters or a full request, like all of these things. And I'm like, I haven't gotten any like, – I haven't gotten Aww. anything. <laughs> And during the middle of the day, I <clears throat> the only request that I got back, the only feedback I got out of the Blitz was please submit a please submit the full book. Wow. Wow. Um so I then very quickly wrote um, then you gotta finish the book. <laughs> right, then I gotta finish the book, right? Um so I finished I finished the book and I emailed it back um to my editor, Julia. And she came back with edits. Um, I think that's one of the things people don't realize when you're going through this process. The revise and request stage, most people get revise and request when it's coming in. Um, you do have a couple of unicorns out there that they just automatically buy, buy the book, but that's really rare. Um, and it actually mm-hmm. means really good things. So please submit, submit those back. So. I took the revisions and sent them back. And I had gone through a couple of revisions with my historical before they finally said it wasn't quite there. My craft just wasn't at at the level it needed to be at at that point. And so then I went through two rounds of revisions um, Mm -hmm. on the book. And since a couple of the medical authors are actually in my local writers group, they told me that after that second round of revisions, if it was a long time, if there was a decent enough, if there was a longer wait, not to worry because that might mean that it was in acquisitions. Okay. And instead, I sent the revisions back on like a Thursday and I had an email in my inbox on Monday. And I figured, ooh, this is probably the like rip. The, I was like, it's probably that you're not quite there yet, which is OK, mm-hmm. uh, you know. It'll be fine. I figured Monday's kind of stink anyways. <laughs> so I'm going to go. I was already at the office. I'm going to go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead, it was an email from Julia asking if we could have a call later. And I'm a Harlequin fangirl. I was on those Facebook pages. I knew what that meant. Mm-hmm. And so I let out a cry of excitement. All of the guys in my office came running because they thought something <laughs> had bit me. Um, and we have had Wass and um, 
ants and all sorts of critters in the office. That's a story for a different time. So it was believable that something had bit me. So they actually all found out that I sold my book before my husband did. <laughs> and that I was a romance author at the same time. Um, and, and when I came back in from having the phone call with Julia, letting me know that I'd sold the book and that they were going to offer me a two book deal, um, all of the guys in my office were standing in a circle debating which one of them would be the best romance hero cover. Oh my gosh, that is the best. So, the best support so, ever. It was, it's so adorable. It actually. They still take my they still take my covers and they Photoshop their heads on them and they're like, You have choices. You have choices. <laughs> so which is so super sweet and adorable. But yeah, it was if you want to write for Harlequin and those medical blitz, sorry, I was medical blitz, and those blitzes come out. That's because they they need to fill mm-hmm. um, some spots. And I would say, even if it's not a line that you've thought of writing for, take a shot at it because mm-hmm. even if all you get is is the feedback, it's such good feedback to come back to kind of know what's going on. For sure, yeah. For sure. Before um, she, before Sarah gets to the next one, like you said, like you after your first one the craft just needed to be worked on a little bit. How did you work on that? Yeah. So I searched out every craft class that I could take. Um, And I will go ahead and plug, if you can take the internal conflict class from Linnea Sinclair, Uh, she writes uh, fantasy, sci-fi romance. Um, but she teaches a lot of classes. And if you can take her internal conflict, because that's what it kept coming back on my historical. They said, you know, the internal conflict is just not quite mm-hmm. there. And I took Linnea's class because I wanted to get make my internal conflict better. And what I actually figured out was I did not know what internal conflict was. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll own that. I didn't. <laughs> and that class really taught me what it was I actually needed to do. But then I also, I found craft classes, a couple of the different RWA chapters offer craft classes. I basically started taking any craft class that I could find that I thought, and I I still do. Um, I think craft is something that you can always get better at. And I think even if you're taking a craft class or something that is something that's a little bit more basic after you've become published, you can learn, you can learn something from every class. So awesome. Um, what was it about the Harlequin Mills and Boone medical series that was the right fit for your for the stories you wanted to tell? Or was it just the Blitz that mm-hmm. kind of forced you to? Uh... <laughs> so the Blitz forced my hand in mm-hmm. that I, I really wanted to put something in to kind of see how it would go. I had been writing. So I wrote the one historical, but then I actually have several contemporaries that live under the bed, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, you know, why not give it a shot? I enjoy reading these. And it's really funny because after, so after the Blitz, I wrote Unlocking the Ex-Army Doc's Heart. And then Falling Again for the Single Dad came out later that same year. And then I have three out, three meds out this year. <laughs> Number wow. six is due back to my editor, um, July 15th. And it's so funny because the med stories just came um, wow. yeah. I don't think, and I'm so glad for the blitz because I don't know, I think there's something with the medical line. It can seem daunting because you mm-hmm. are do, dealing with stuff that is from the scientific and technical side of the house. So you're dealing with, you know, things that are completely real. There are certain mm-hmm. things that if you write them and you have anyone that's in the medical field, they're going to know if you're completely wrong. Mm-hmm. So I think that research phase, but I realized afterwards it's actually very similar to the historicals because you have to research and the historicals to make sure that you get that you get it right. This is just contemporary research to make sure that you're getting getting the medicals right. And mm-hmm. once I started writing them, it just became so much fun. I, I'm so glad that I did it. Oh, that's awesome. Um, it's both exciting and inspiring to see you uh, to see that as a debut author, you were able to get two romances. Um, within your first year of being published, how did that happen? <laughs> so I, to be completely honest, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, 
Other than the fact I just that wrote I the mean, books, I don't know how it happens. Yeah, just ask. <laughs> so, it, in the different lines, depending on which line you're in, some of the lines have more authors than other lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the and some lines. So, like in romance, romance releases four books a month. Medicals releases six books a month, and then presents releases eight books a month. Mm-hmm. So, the number of authors that are in each of the different lines kind of can help set the schedule a little bit. There are fewer medical authors, or at least at that point there really were because we had because we had um, the blitz going on. They were hiring. There are a couple of us that came in along the same times, uh, Ali Kanochi and Julie Danvers and Rachel Dove. We all kind of came in at the same time. And so I think it just ended up working out in the schedule that because I turned, I sent back in following again for the single dad, um, that Jan- the end of that January, uh, January of 2020. Yeah, January of 2020. Um, at that point, there was about a nine month turnaround on on meds to get them published. So it just kind of worked out. It wasn't anything intentional on my part. But yeah, it worked out nicely. That's Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so a few things that we have found fascinating with the medical series is that the stories have a range of sensuality levels and has everything from pediatricians to cardiologists to veterinarians, which we were like, yay, they're including yay, veterinarians. <laughs> For any of our listeners who have yet to read a book from the medical series, how would you describe it? So the medical line is basically a mix of Grey's Anatomy, Scrubs, and MASH. And we are the line that has a lot of give and take within our heat level. So you have everything from very sweet to mine, which are a little bit more tamer, but I have open door sex scenes in mine. Um, and then I don't know if Bree is aware, but JC Haraway is now a med author. So I oh, am <laughs> certain that when her debut medical comes out, it's definitely going to get those temperatures rising. <laughs> Um, so we kind of, we, we kind of run the spectrum. So you, you are, we're allowed, um, very different heat levels within, within the Mm -hmm. line. The other thing that I would say is I think people that love small town romances also would really like the medicals because the hospital or the clinic where they are at basically becomes a small town. Yep. Yeah. So you get kind of that small town vibe feel. You just happen to be in the medical field. And mm-hmm. the other thing that I would point out is that we as a line, I think sometimes there's still a thought that what we are putting out is the doctor falls in love with the nurse. Um, mm-hmm. And that does happen. Don't get me wrong. There are doctors and nurses falling in love, but there is a wide range of different fields that are out there. Like you pointed out the vet stories, the pediatricians. Mm-hmm. My first book has two general practitioners falling in love. Um, the one that just came out reawakened. Sorry. Nope. The one that is coming out that just came out, the pediatrician's twin bombshell. I've got too many. I get their titles mixed up sometimes. Mm-hmm. The pediatrician's twin bombshell has um, the doctor is Tessa. Is yeah, the female say, you and the, the female is the Gabe, doctor, <laughs> and Gabe is a nurse because there are there are male nurses, there are yep. female doctors, there are like so you you can get away with a whole lot of exciting stuff mm-hmm. within the med field. That yeah. is awesome. I love them. Um, let's chat a bit about the pediatrician's twin bombshell. It is the romance between Tessa and Gabe, and who we find out at the beginning actually worked at a theater together as teenagers, shared a kiss, and then Gabe disappeared. We learn that Tessa divorced a little bit over a year ago and finds herself out at a party where both her ex-husband, his new woman, and all their friends that Tessa no longer fits in with them. What about that uncomfortable moment Tessa finds herself in inspired the choice to make Gabe enter in as someone coming back into her life? So... The very first scene that popped into my head when I was writing this story is actually Tessa at that bar. And she is uncomfortable and she's wearing shoes that pinch her toes, which I think all women can understand. <laughs> Plus it was the pandemic and I have thrown all of my high heels away there. Yeah. I'm like, nope, I'm never going back. <laughs> never. I refuse. Free the toes. Um <laughs> And I needed her. So I had this idea of she showed up. She thinks these are her friends. 
And instead, it's actually that uncomfortable moment when you realize that in the divorce, they're actually her husband's friends. And yeah. she's like, why did I even come? And so I needed her to be at that bar and uncomfortable. And I needed someone that she would actually talk to, which mm-hmm. meant it needed to be some kind of a reunion, right? Because she's already, we know from the story, she's already blown off a couple of guys. It's why Gabe picks her, right? Because he also doesn't want to be at that bar. His sister has dragged him there. Yeah. So I needed a reason why the two of them, when they walked up to each other, would actually keep that conversation going. And mm-hmm. so that's where, that's kind of where the decision came in that it would be someone that she knew briefly from her past. Love it. Um, the book is a really fascinating and thought provoking look at how everyone's relationships evolve differently, but how they all require figuring things out and the determination to make things work. So one of Gabe's quotes that we loved is why start with the traditional now, whatever traditional means, and I won't spoil it at what point in the book that comes. Was there anything about their relationship that you hoped would really resonate with readers because, okay, you just described the bar scene. The bar scene leads to stuff and then there's consequences, results of that stuff that happened. (laughs) And like Sarah, we talk about in our most recent like episode that came out, the the hashtag dead sexy Wednesday, we talked about sex on the page, right? And Mm -hmm. you have sex on the page very early on in this book. So again, (laughs) listeners, don't be... Don't be fooled, okay? <laughs> yeah, there is some sex in the medical series, if that's your thing. But we talk about how it changes the dynamic of the relationship. And they literally like just met. So there's not really the much of a relationship, but it's also fantastic because the sex kind of forces a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, they're going to end up being parents. This isn't a spoiler guys. You can see she's pregnant on, on the, on the cover, yeah. right. but <laughs> yes. it, it was just so interesting to see. So like, what were you hoping people took away from that? Mm-hmm. So I was really playing with this story. So I have, so I have what I think most people would consider the quote unquote traditional family. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband and I married when I was in my early 20s and he was in his mid 20s. We had our oldest two years later and our youngest two years after that. Um, but then we made the decision when the girls got a little bit older that from career trajectories, my career in my day job um, was the one that really looked like it was going to take off. And so my husband became the stay-at-home dad. Um, He works from home now. But I got questions that my husband would never have gotten asked if we had done the opposite side of that. Um, Is he going to resent you? Um, Still raises my blood pressure. (laughs) Um, No, he's not. Um, He's an amazing man and he's incredibly happy with his life. But I really wanted to play with the idea, particularly with Tessa, because she's this, if you read the book, there's a promotion that she really wants Mm -hmm. and she's gotten pregnant. And I think all women, when we go, when I know when I got pregnant with my kids, I got asked, so are you going to keep working? I'm like, I, I love my job. I can, I can be a mom and I can have a career. Like I, Mm -hmm. I, I can do both. And I kind of really wanted to play with that idea of family can be whatever it is you want it to be. And quote unquote traditional doesn't always mean happy. Mm -hmm. And being happy with the person you love is the thing that is the most important, whatever, whatever that means. And also if there's a promotion that you want, chase it, chase, you know, chase it. Chase yep. your dreams. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. much of the story was about timing because you knew Tessa wanted that promotion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She meets Gabe at the party that she's uncomfortable at. She's pregnant. The promotion's still looming over her head. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, <laughs> but I thought it was like, it was so cool because you did tackle, you, you don't think that that happens in the hospital. Everybody's so nice and sweet and friendly, but like, no, there are promotions going on and like, yeah. Women in that field get asked the same questions we all hear, you know, are you going to stop working? Like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, what if you want to start a family? Well, what about the guys? Like, are you asking them that question? Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. And you see, and the medical field is, is a field that is very um, cutthroat when it comes to promotions that, you know, that's, mm-hmm. there is a career path and it's very competitive. And, mm-hmm. and I've watched several YouTube videos and nowadays you can do it on, on TikTok where you see women talking about, you know, being asked, you know, well, are you going to be able to stay late? Cause so-and-so can stay late. And it's like, I can stay late for the same reasons he can stay late. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Um, In the book, there are a couple of medical emergencies the main characters find themselves involved in. A teenage boy has a seizure, a little girl is a burn victim, a single father has a kid with celiac disease, and and one with fifth disease. Are you doing any kind of research for your stories, and how do you go about conducting it? So I do. So I kind of treat the research for medicals like I treated the research for my historicals. And I also, I actually brought them over so you can see, I do have a couple of um, medical books from, <laughs> oh my from Lord. the army. Um, this is the emergency war surgery. So this is if you have to do med in the field. And then this is the special operations forces um, on the medical handbook. So this one has everything from doing surgery in the field to how to deal with a tapeworm. Wow. Um, <laughs> they're fast. They're absolutely fascinating. I mean, just, ab- just absolutely fascinating. It's like, here's how to deal with a blunt, a blunt thing into the nasal cavity. You're like, what is that? <laughs> um, so, uh, and I got those. So I, in my day job, I, I work for the, the, Air Force. And so I, I went that way because I, I knew of those books existing because of my day job. But I've also found some YouTube videos that are very helpful. You want to be really careful on that to make sure that you're following legitimate medical professionals yeah. if you yep. are in that field. Um, and then also there's a whole lot of – so the story that I'm writing right now is a duet with Scarlett Wilson. And it takes mm-hmm. place um, – the professionals work in a NICU. And so I've been looking at the March of Dimes website, which has a Mm -hmm. lot of information on premature babies. Um, You can actually go to several of the children's hospitals and kind of see Mm -hmm. um, what they do for admittance and things like that that Mm -hmm. can kind of give you that information too. It's interesting. And and I'll be the first to say, like Bree knows this, I shied away from the medicals for years because I spent way too much time in hospitals as a child. I have a congenital heart disease. So I've had three open heart surgeries. I've still, you know what I mean? And to me, hospitals are not sexy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that's how I was years ago, but now I'm starting to realize that no, these are fun, you know, and I'm liking them a lot more now. But to me, like I have read some books where they will deal with that, not in the medical line, but just in other books in general. And as someone who has it, I'm like, this is so easy to look up, mm-hmm. you know, to get your yeah. facts right. So yeah. thank you, is what I'm saying. Is like, thank, <laughs> thank you, you for, for looking the, into it and doing that. And, you know, surgery book, <laughs> right? <laughs> when you're words, but no, but really, for people who have that condition or who might know someone, you know, they're really the only ones who are going to know if you're right or not. However. It, it makes the person feel like they've been seen. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and I really, I want, I want when people to read them. I mean, my medical books, the focus, my, the focus is always in these stories on the hero and the heroine and everything, but it doesn't really take that much time to, mm-hmm. to look and see what different types of things. And also to, cause I'm with writing the NICU one, I, I told Scarlett, I was like, I'm willing to have the babies be premature. I'm willing to have them have some serious medical conditions. I'm not Mm -hmm. willing to lose a baby. Um, so going through and finding the different things that, that the babies could, you know, and having it be and say, you know, most, most we're really lucky, particularly, um, in well-developed countries with well-developed medical systems. Now premature babies have a very long life expectancy and a good Mm -hmm. life expectancy and focusing on that versus absolutely the drama of the sickness. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter was seven weeks Mm -hmm. early and she spent three months in the NICU. NICU nurses are Mm. angels. Oh my gosh. Like I, she was there during Christmas and I remember there was this nurse that literally just worked overtime and like changed schedules because she like became her baby. She's like, I'm, I'm, she's mine. I'm going to take care of her. And it was just so <laughs> sweet. So yeah. yeah. Shout out to NICU nurses. <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you shared on social media the cover for your next release, Reawakened at the South Pole, which is yep. so cute. Is there anything the you can tell us about it? Sure. Uh, so Reawakened at the South Pole is a forced proximity story. I love forced proximity. Mm-hmm. Um, so Force me to be with you. Force me. <laughs> so it's set at the South. It's set at the Almond Scott. Um, base at the mm-hmm. south pole which is a real a real base it's set during the winter time uh and for winter at the south pole that's basically an eight-month rotation so the mm-hmm. center for polar medicine is in charge and they're actually based in houston of all things and they they set up the medical team that's going to be there for your the well it's not quite a year and i thought how fun would it be if so it's forced proximity and a reunion, mm-hmm. um, and a brother's best friend. Oh so, god, that's my favorite. Checking trope. all the boxes, I love it. <laughs> so, my my heroine is a last minute replacement um, okay. for the nurse practitioner because I looked and it had a nurse practitioner. They have a nurse practitioner and a and a general practitioner that are there most of the, most of that during that time period, and then several of the people that are at the, at the place are actually medics or trained medics mm-hmm. too. So that you have some overlap. And I thought, how fun would it be if she's a last minute replacement and she lands in the South pole and the brother's best friend who they had known, but then he had a family situation that blew up and he, he left. And how fun would it be if she shows up in the South pole and who is there, but the hero. And yeah, so he actually, without giving too much away, um, when she when she lands, I also got to use, just so everybody knows, the people that fly into the South Pole are a United Air Force, a United States Air Force um, unit called the Ski Birds. And they fly a C-130 <laughs> in there that lands on skis. It doesn't, because you can't land, you cannot land yeah. with a wheel. And so she lands and the Ski Birds come out to get started and there's a turned over truck and so she basically crawls in to the car. And so he sees her for the first time as she's like kicked this window out and like is in in the car <laughs> helping. And he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, but yeah, it's it's forced proximity. It's the South Pole. It's just, it's a lot of fun. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait. <laughs> we need it. Bring on October. So it's it comes out in October. So it's just wintry. It's like South Pole cold. Yes. 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 Yay. We always say we want just more like winter stories yes. that don't necessarily have Christmas. Yes. Yeah. So this one, this one actually does not take place during Christmas time um, because cool. she actually lands, she actually lands right before the, the snow comes in too, too hard down there. So it's, it, okay. it, there isn't any Christmas in it, but it is very snowy. That's cool. Yeah. That we want to see cool. more of that. Mm-hmm. All right, Sarah, you ready to do fill in the sentence? Yes. Um, when I'm not writing, I'm. Uh, reading or playing Nintendo Switch with my kids. Nice. Um, one of my most read authors is. Oh, okay. So for historicals, Tessa Dare and Anne Gracie. For contemporaries, Tracy Douglas. I love her medicals. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. My most comfortable attire is. Yoga pants and no bra. I'm going to own it. <laughs> Hashtag own it. Okay. Right. Hello. <laughs> Um, the first song on the soundtrack to my life is, uh, follow your arrow by Casey Musgraves. Yes. I love that song. Love that song. One movie I will never stop watching is (laughs) while you were sleeping (laughs) with Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Yes. I love that. It's so early 1990s, but it really is. (laughs) But it is so much fun. And what is the trope on that one, right? Yeah, I know. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Rapid fire. The classic era era of like rom-coms. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yep. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Rapid fire. Okay. What is one hill you will wholeheartedly die on? Pay your creatives. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, and I don't mean from a publishing house standpoint. I mean the number of people out there that think that it is okay to pirate books or to steal books or mm -hmm. to take someone's digital artwork off of their Instagram or their YouTube and put it on a t-shirt and sell it like it's yours. Stop it. Pay your, yeah. your creatives deserve to be paid for the effort that they put into their work. 100%. Love that. That's the first mm -hmm. time we've gotten that one. But I agree. Yep. <laughs> Love it. Who was one of your teenage celebrity crushes? All right. Well, let's date myself. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in Titanic. Yes. <laughs> so I actually. Come I actually <laughs> fell down. I fell down the stairs before Titanic started in the movie theater and sprained my ankle so bad that I couldn't get it back into my shoe and still sat through my move. It still that sat through that movie to That's watch it and then immediately had to go movie. to the doctor. That's, That's a three hilarious. hour movie. And they did an intermission. I know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like four hours. Oh my But God. I needed to see Leo in all of like my right? 12 year old glory. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? Like, did y'all ever watch him in What's Eating Gilbert Grape? I can't believe no. it's the same person. I I didn't. <laughs> like, but that younger was the, Leo. <laughs> that was the same year that, like, that, I have to say, it, it's pretty horrible, but that, like, pretty horrible retelling of Romeo and Juliet came out with Claire Danes. I, I loved that movie. I still oh, love that movie. <laughs> it's a cult classic. Like, yeah. I I own it. And I watch it, but it's definitely like one of those things you're like, that's not really like, yeah, wow, no, that's what's going yeah. on here. Okay. I have <laughs> but, to watch it because I feel like if I've watched it, I don't remember it. You but would remember. It. You would totally remember it. Oh yeah. <laughs> but do Claire definitely Danes. watch it. It's, I love Claire Danes though. It's yeah, so bad. It's, it's good. It you know, so like, bad, <laughs> but it's enjoyable. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Ebooks, audiobooks, physical books. What is your preferred reading method? Probably physical books, although I do dash back and forth between physical and between physical and ebooks pretty often. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is there a category romance series you'd like to see given a second chance? We know you're a second chance kind of girl, a reunion. <laughs> <laughs> so I so I I'm torn. So I would love to see the nocturnes come back. They were just a yes. lot of fun. Um, and then I feel obligated to say so that if anyone is listening, so that my sister knows that I said it, um, the Westerns um, with the Cowboys, she's still Thank very you. upset. She's yes. so upset. I agree. We love Cowboys here on the podcast. Oh, I miss the Western romance line or the American romance line so much. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so she like the Westerns, too. Like, shout out to Juliet's sister. OK, she loves yes. medical. Yes. <laughs> She, she may be a beta reader for her. Like she's in it. We need to have, you and your sister need to come back on the podcast. Okay, I'm, I'm sure I will. I will ask her because I'm sure she'd love to do that. So she loves all things category romance. It awesome. just makes me happy to hear you say Nocturne because I'm obsessed yep. with Nocturne. Why did Nocturne go away? <laughs> Bring think, it back. I think that Paranormal had its real high rise yep. after Twilight, and then it's just scooch back down and I keep I keep waiting for that rise to come to come back up maybe it's not vampires maybe it's fae let's get some fairies in there yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's 2021 y'all like anything goes with paranormal <laughs> that's right let's do it <laughs> give me a mini series give me a mini series <laughs> what was the last book you read so I read Nine Months to Claim Her by Natalie Anderson, which is a Harlequin Presents. It actually comes out in July. Um, and it's he's he's a he's a billionaire CFO and she's she's a socialite whose parents are not great and so she's kind of a reclusive socialite she works at a university as a researcher and the two of them it's a one night with consequences and it's just oh it's so yummy <laughs> seriously I love like it. one night with consequences is becoming my thing it's becoming a kink for mm -hmm. me <laughs> It's so funny, too, because I, before writing, so the pediatrician's twin bombshell is the one I with consequences. And before writing one, I didn't really read them. But now that I've written one, I'm like, these are super fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You have a coffee date with three authors, dead or alive. Who are they? Okay. So number one, Tessa Dare. Mm -hmm. If for nothing else, and I want to talk baby goats. If you're not following her Twitter yes. page. <laughs> follow her twitter page because it's she's learning to speak portuguese she does she does baby goats um i sound like a crazy stalker but like i want to be her friend um please 
if Tessa dares, if you're listening, like, Tessa, my DMs right, are open. Like yeah. Sarah and I like to say, if Tessa dares in your knitting circle, yes. you heard it here. Have her hit up Julian yeah. Highland, please. Please, yes. <laughs> so, um, and then my second one would be Tracy Douglas. We actually live close enough that I that one day that will definitely happen. And then I will FaceTime my sister because Tracy is my sister's favorite author and then i can be on facetime and be like look at this um so you have to tag us or it okay happen yeah <laughs> when the when the when the when everything is finally like calmed down and we can travel again so i'm like oh i would love to we'd love to meet up and and since we're so close um and then my third one is actually dead i would love to talk to mary shelley i'd love mm. to know what she thinks about a having been more well known um particularly after death than her mm -hmm. husband go girl mm -hmm. um and also what she thinks of the modern interpretation of frankenstein yes. the monster always comes off as dumb and in the book he's quite smart yeah um <laughs> he's also just called the monster he's not frankenstein's the doctor frankenstein's so like yeah. doctor. i i would love to know like you were trapped in a house with byron and you wrote a horror story where a monster's attacking people was it because you wanted to <laughs> yeah but... <laughs> no judgment just asking yeah <laughs> She's so fascinating. Her mom was fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I would just be like, girl, mm -hmm. tell, give us the scoop. Like, what was going on yeah. in yeah. your head? <laughs> I need to know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and now and then, what do you know now that if you could time travel back to when you began pursuing getting published, you would tell yourself? I would say that rejection hurts. I'm not going to sugarcoat that, but it doesn't hurt as much as you think it does. Okay. And it's definitely something that you can overcome and learn from each rejection, even if they're just form rejections. Um, mm -hmm. But if you really have a story that you want to put out there and you want to travel down the road of, of publishing, the first step really is ripping off the Band-Aid and sending in those manuscripts. Yeah. <clears throat> I think okay. that as romance readers, Sarah and I talk about this all the time, like, we have like at least two or three stories floating around in your head, mm -hmm. but it's like getting over that imposter syndrome, that like fear mm -hmm. of like, okay, just cause I'm a reader doesn't mean that I'm a writer, but like, you're never going to know if you don't try and yeah. like send something in. And like one thing that if we've learned anything from just chatting with all of you amazing authors that we've talked to, it's just like, mm -hmm you're going to get some notes. And if you get notes, that's a good thing. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Read mm -hmm. them and take it for what it's worth yep. and send yeah. it back. <laughs> and right. also imposter syndrome doesn't go away. My sixth book is due to my editor in July. I am now at that stage in it where it is nearly complete and I'm going through edits and I'm like, oh my God, I may be, I may be legit terrible with this. Like, how did I, I've written, I've written six of these now. How did I think, how did, I've written five, maybe five is my limit. How could I, how could I do, and it's not true. It's just something that your, that your brain tells you. Imposter syndrome is real. It never goes away. You just have to ignore it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's fair. And I think that we like, we just get in our own way. Mm -hmm. You just get in your own way. So just yep. go for it. I mean, just go for it. This yep. has been so fun and so <laughs> inspiring and just so fun. You're like the coolest person ever. We want to be your friend. <laughs> yes. um, so whenever you finally get to go on your coffee date, make sure you tag us because we want to feel That's like right. we're there. <laughs> yep. Yes. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so and if I can we... figure out a way to channel Mary Shelley, I'll tag you on that too. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> <Seance>. no. <laughs> Nocturne book, ring it back. That's right. There you go. <laughs> On the podcast, two podcasters and an author try to channel Mary Shelley. Mary Shelley, yeah. <laughs> and there's a romance some kind of way. Cause that's yeah. right. <laughs> okay. So before we go, where can everybody follow you online? So I have a Facebook page that's just the Facebook slash author Juliet Highland. Mm -hmm. um, I'm on Twitter at Juliet Highland, and then I'm most active on Instagram, and that's at Juliet Highland on Instagram. Oh, and I technically now have a TikTok, but I don't know what to do on that. I feel like I'm <laughs> just screaming into the void there. I don't know. Just we watch other people. Talking. That's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how I've taken it. Um, I, I watch one – I. 
shouldn't call him a kid because he's probably in his 20s but he like does all these like animal tiktoks he's like here's his information on his animal tiktok and i'm like you are fascinating um <laughs> maybe, maybe i'll base a vet off of him you like Let's- i love seeing authors using tiktok it's like y'all really have i don't want to say have to but it's like it seems like another way as a reader that we kind of get to connect with you and we get to see some of the behind the scenes, like Eloisa yes. James is on TikTok. And I'm like, yes. oh, she's doing cover shoots for the, for the next book. <laughs> it's so cool how, yeah. like, you yeah. know, I think of as a kid, I'm like, I loved R.L. Stein, and he felt so far away. Like you never got to interact. And like yeah. as a romance reader, our authors really take care of us in the Seriously. sense that like you, yeah. you see so much of them. And that's just so cool. You see so much of the process. So we will be looking for the TikTok. Just okay. saying. Yes. <laughs> I'll give it a try. I'm going to have to ask my kids. Be like, how do I do this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, listeners, all of Juliet's information will be listed in the show notes. Make sure you follow her on social media. I mean, like we said, she's like the coolest person ever at this Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Make sure sweet. you follow her. Keep up with her. Reawakened at the South Pole releases in October. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tessa and Gabe's romance is already out. It's a must read, so you'll get your hands on a copy. And thank you again for giving us your time today. Yes, oh, thanks thank so much so for much. having me. <laughs> and Sarah and I will chat with you in our next episode, everybody. Have a great day. Bye.